0: (laughs) like i don't know like i don't know clash of the titans Feel like right bad john it has been a while since i've seen it the original i have the original on dvd it's been a while since i've seen either one i think i've seen the most recent what i I like didn't see any of the remakes here's what i like about the remake of clash of the titan clash of the titans there's more than one is that the hero you see his family in the beginning and there's four of them and the mom the dad the daughter and the son all have different accents yeah. Like Pete Palschoway's the dad. He's British. Yeah. Sam Rock, Sam Rockwell. Oh, I wish. Sam Worthington's the son. He's He's got an Australian accent. Like one of them has a German accent. I'm like, how are you all one family? <laughs> Sam Rockwell is Perseus. <laughs> I, I would watch the hell out of that movie.
1: <laughs> I'm so happy he finally won an Oscar. Now we just need to get an Oscar for Paul Rudd. Speaking of Paul Rudd, did you see Ant-Man and the Wasp? Oh, was of course that? I did. We just watched that uh, last weekend. What did you think about it? I really liked it. It's fun. It's very fun. Mm-hmm. I love how they just have little asides with like them bickering with each other and mm-hmm. things that have nothing to do with what's going on in the plot.
0: I think Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly have a good chemistry. Yeah, not know. a romantic chemistry, but a good chemistry. I never really liked her. Really,
1: I never watched Lost. I people always.
0: I don't love her, but I I like her. I think she's fine. I as think Hope she Van looked Dine. better
1: with the shorter hair. I don't know. Was there a villain in that movie? There really wasn't. The well, the, that was another case of you know if they would have just sat down and talked to each other.
0: Yeah, it really was.
1: Like ghostly, she was having problems, but if they would have let the Pims finish their thing, yeah. then they could have helped her right after the fact. Yeah. They tried to swerve by making Bill Foster seem like a bad guy, but then he really kind of wasn't either. No,
0: not really. He was just doing what he thought was right. But yeah, I liked it. Yeah, it's good. It's, you know, it. it's, again, they're fun. They're Marvel movies. I mean, it's hard to dislike most of the Marvel movies because they are just fun.
1: There was something we were talking about last episode that made me think of Ant-Man and the Wasp, and I was going to ask you about it, but
0: I don't Unlike know. the DC movies, which generally are unfun, though. Have you Ugh. seen the preview for Captain Marvel? For Shazam? Sorry.
1: Uh, no. I saw, uh, like, a four or five second clip where they're, like, outside a convenience
0: store or something, and that's... I think it looks fun. I'm, I have high hopes for Shazam. I'm hoping it's a DC movie. After Wonder Woman will be another one that I like and enjoy.
1: That's another Marvel-DC uh, actor crossover. Because uh, what's his name that plays Shazam?
0: Or plays Captain Marvel. Not Billy
1: Batson, but the Captain Marvel was... Uh, he played Fandral in the one of the Thor movies. Oh,
0: that's right. He did, didn't he? Mm-hmm. I forgot
1: about that. I always forget his name. The guy that played Chuck.
0: Yeah. It's uh, Zachary Levi. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I forget which was he in the first or second. I think he was the first, first Fandral, and then they I don't know why him. they recast it. Well, because he went into a DC movie. and Oh, like, no, we don't want you anymore.
0: Well, I mean, what do you want to? Who, what do you want to play, Fandral or or Captain Marvel?
1: I mean, maybe he read the script for the second Thor movie, and he's like, no.
0: I don't like this. I don't dislike Ragnarok as much as a lot of people do. No, that's the third one. Sorry, I don't dislike the Dark World mm. as much as most people do. I Did not like it. It's not great, but Thor movies are hard. I think
1: I would have liked to have seen. There's an idea. Infinity War instead of them introducing the Black Order or whatever they're called. They should have just taken villains from all the other movies and they could have been like Thanos's
0: Legion of Doom. <laughs> yeah. If he'd have been at a big table and they'd have been around him, that would have been great.
1: Like Malekith and Ironmonger and
0: Well Ironmonger's a little dead, right? I know, now.
1: that's the problem. They kill him off. Like
0: they should have him just I've never <laughs> like looked... in the comics, they just have him escape. <laughs> well, <laughs> I have never liked in the in the in most superhero movies, how they usually kill the bad guy. I'm like, well, that's not... Because that's not how most superhero comics... Yeah. And rarely do they kill the bad guy. Well, we've murdered him now. Yeah. Aren't we heroes? (laughs) I mean, except for the Fantastic Four, who blew up the Mole Man, let the Puppet Master fall out of a five-story building, you know, (laughs) except for them. Watch Doctor Doom hurtle off into space.
1: Silver Age is a little nicer than the Golden Age. Oh, we would oh. have the heroes like just choke the villains to death.
0: Yeah, Batman pulls out a up, 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 a pistol and starts shooting people. <laughs> Rip his spine out and beat him with it. Like. Yeah, yeah. The Golden Age was a. Uh... I think the first Batman. When we do Batman Year One, the first Batman story is great. Can they already do Batman Year One? <laughs> <laughs> would we do Batman Year One or would we do Batman Year One? I would do Batman Year Two, Year One. <laughs> <laughs> but in any case, in the first, in the first, his first adventure, the bad guy like. He watches him fall into, like, a vat of acid, and he's mm-hmm. like, it's a fitting end. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> That'll teach you to be bad. You're a jerk. Hi, I'm Jason. Yes. I'm John. Welcome back to Year One Comics. It's December 1962 when we record this. <laughs> it feels like it. And we're on Fantastic Four number nine. We've been doing Do like podcasts just, for 40 years. Just <laughs> diving right into this. No nonsense this time. Oh, right.
1: Number nine.
0: Number nine is interesting. It's not. It's different in I've one got way. a lot of
1: notes. It must be somewhat interesting.
0: And it's that the credits up until now, any comic books in the 60s didn't normally have a lot of creative credits. And basically, Stanley and Jack Kirby have just kind of been, like, signing. <laughs>
1: I noticed they've been signing their names after the end of each
0: chapter. Yeah, at the beginning of each chapter, they're like, Stanley and Jack Kirby, in case you forgot. We're still here. This is the first issue in the Fantastic Four. Where we actually have a credits box. Now, unlike today's comics, where they credit, like, everybody, much like where movie credits are now 18 minutes long because they credit, like, the accountants. Mm-hmm. Comic book credits have gotten longer, too, as they credit, like, I don't know, the Comptroller and... It's ridiculous. These credits are for people. Writer, artist, inker, letterer. Very simple.
1: How many comics does Marvel have at this point? Has Hulk comic been introduced yet?
0: I believe the Hulk has been introduced.
1: So they've staffed up. That's why they're... (laughs) Was Jack Kirby inking and lettering everything up until this issue?
0: I don't think he was inking it. Even though... He, I don't know if they were crediting the inker, but I don't think he was inking it. No, he rarely know. inked his own work at Marvel, from what I understand. But it, this is one. Stan Lee did it, <laughs> or at least took credit for it. This is one more step towards a more modern sensibility in the comic.
1: I like this first panel because Namor is in his undersea home watching television. Yes, yeah. And I'm I'm sad that SpongeBob didn't exist back then, because <laughs> you know he'd be watching that.
0: Who lives in a dome under okay. the sea, Namor Submariner. I'm still confused. Is he, does his dome have water in it? I would assume no, because I don't know how you'd protect your television set. From... I, yeah, that was kind of my point. Plus, he still has that framed picture of Sue, and you'd think that would be all waterlogged by now. So apparently, Namor's home is air-breathing, but if you go outside, it's water, because it's, it's under the sea. the ocean, yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I know about the wa- the ocean is it's wet. Does he have water. one of those, like, you know how you can turn a
1: cup upside down and you can push it down in the water, but the cup won't fill with water because of the air pressure?
0: Do you think that's how he built his house and got it's it under dope, the water? His just upside down, so
1: there's still water underneath him. He's, like, walking around in, like, ankle-deep water. That actually... But that, breathing air.
0: Actually, for an Atlantean, it's not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. You know, his feet would always be wet, but that's fine. I like it. In any case, yeah, Namor's watching television where he finds out that the Fantastic Four have gone bankrupt. Where is his antenna? <laughs> is he getting such a good reception? I think it's Comcast. They weren't oh, yeah. cabled down to Atlantis, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it was one of my notes, actually.
1: Yeah. These things always It's funny because when you're reading the comic, you don't recognize. Like, oh, the aliens have a television in the Fantastic Four's living room or a camera. And yeah. you don't think about it. You're just like, oh, they're observing. Because Especially they're... when you're a kid. Yeah. You don't think about the specifics of, wait a minute. How and did so he, that
0: get there? Until you become old, grumpy, cynical, middle-aged men like us, and then you're like, wait a minute, this is dumb. I I'm going to write an e. I I'm putting something on the Fantasy IV
1: message board. We talked about this a lot when Kang first showed up in the Avengers comics, because Kang always had, like, 10, 12 monitors in his spaceship yes, showing all these always. different things. And I guess it kind of made sense then, because he was from the future, and you just assumed he was watching tapes of stuff <laughs> that had already happened. Yeah, this live thing is weird to me. The name or ah, Come on. Did he build the television... Did he steal it off the off a sunken ship? I don't know
0: where did he. I assumed he just went into a Best Buy. (laughs) He just floated up and went. "Ah." Yeah, gave them a couple of doubloons. (laughs) Yeah, um, grabbed the TV and off he goes. So yeah, so Namor now knows that the FF are bankrupt. What can he do with that information? Why is
1: the FF bankrupt? Oh wait, we'll find
0: out on this. It doesn't say. It just says that they're going to dissolve their partnership and sell off everything they own to pay their debts. And on that note, let's head to the Baxter Building where the FF are dissolving their partnership and selling off everything they own to pay their debts. So this is like we talked about a couple episodes ago where we don't know what happened in between this issue and the previous issue. Well, we are told that apparently Reed put all of their money on stocks in the stock market and <clears throat> lost it all playing did the they, stock market. Where did they get money from? From his patents. He sold things. Yes, like... So what does he still have left to sell? (laughs) Well, he doesn't sell things. He just sells patents to them. We're never really told exactly what patents he sells. He's selling weapons patents to Stark Industries. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this will come up again and again. We are always led to believe that the FF make a lot of money off of Reed's inventions. But everything Reed has that you would think would make a good invention, like unstable molecules, he always says, oh, I won't sell those. Those are proprietary. Yeah, you can have that. So I'm not really sure what he's selling. If he's, like, making toasters, (laughs) you know— did he invent the VCR? I'm not really Cos- sure. I was to make toasters. <laughs> I'm not sure what he's what he's
1: doing, but yeah. I thought in these first couple panels here, it's interesting that that the FF has creditors. There's a guy saying you haven't paid the rent in forever, which, you know, makes sense. They didn't build the building. He didn't invent a skyscraper. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he did. But there's a guy there who claims to have done work on the Fantasticar. And I always just assume that Reed built all these things that they have or and we know that johnny's a mechanic it's just weird like to think a,
0: someone climbs in the fantastic car drives it to the garage and has some guy work on it that's a really good point yeah he's like i did electrical work on it well reed couldn't possibly let third party contractors work on some of this stuff exactly. because they would have all of his secrets yeah they would build their own fantastic cars everyone would have an ultimate nullifier <laughs> everyone <laughs> would have flying bathtubs it would be all over new york city it doesn't make any sense so yeah, the and, and at first the FF are like, we're going to help you, Reed. We'll use our powers to make money. Right. Like a sideshow. <laughs> exactly. But Reed's like, no, no, no. You can't debase yourself. I'm not going to allow it.
1: We're already all wearing silly matching uniforms. Yeah.
0: The thing already wears a blue diaper. I can't allow you to do anything else more <laughs> embarrassing than that. So Thing gets mad and quits the team again, I think. As he does, yes. Apparently, after making a few pot shots at Reed about how horrible he is at the stock market, and Reed looking like he's going to kill him, and saying, you can only push me so far. (laughs) The Thing goes out to get a taxi. The taxi driver won't take the Thing because... Because he already learned that they have no money. So... (laughs) What? So so the Thing picks up a taxi cab and sticks it on top of a lamppost. How many laws has Ben Grimm just broken? Ugh. They do this all the time where the thing just needlessly destroys property. And they don't have No wonder they're bankrupt. Right? I mean, he destroyed that cab. It's completely destroyed. That first panel made no sense to me. I didn't understand what he had in his hand. I'm like, who is was thing shooting now? Where yeah. did he get a gun from? <laughs> the, thing, the thing is, if this was in today's, the thing would be in a McDonald's shooting up the place. It doesn't make but- any sense.
1: So the thing quits the team again, and then after attacking some workers, threatening a taxi driver, ruining said taxi, and then firing his flare gun to get Johnny's attention because he's too lazy
0: to walk back upstairs, Johnny gives him a ride. Johnny comes out because the thing is like, hey, great, you can give me a ride. And the the torch says, Thing, if I knew it was you. Who did you think it was? You just left the Baxter building where Reed and Sue are, and you're you. Who else has a flare gun, Johnny? So does Johnny drive him over to Alicia's? Maybe that's what maybe that's one of the patents Reed is selling off. His flare gun patent, so anybody can shoot Everybody fours off one. into the sky. It's like <laughs> Reed invented Uber. <laughs> Johnny flew thing to alicia's apartment
1: is that what i'm to understand
0: yes that's what we're to understand who is described as his friend Mm -hmm. not his girlfriend no not his friend his blind friend (laughs) (laughs) we have to quantify that yes i'm not sure it's interesting to me that they made the decision to keep alicia around like immediately yeah after last i mean she appears last issue her stepfather falls out of a window and dies and all of a sudden she's in an apartment by herself hanging out with a thing I don't know why. I'm wondering if they wanted her there to, to as an excuse to kind of humanize the the thing. If they thought giving her, giving him, well, you know how Stan Lee was great with female characters. <laughs> also, it's odd because she is offensive in so many ways. She is, I mean, as a blind. I mean, full disclosure: I am not blind. However, I just have what to, I know. right? All, <laughs> All this, this time, time. we've known each other. I just feel like she would be. If I were blind, she would annoy the crap out of me. She's one of these mystical, like, she's like a mystical blind person where she has all the wisdom and all the super sensory powers. She can't see, but she really can. So in any case... And she's a sculptor magically.
1: Why do I read everything she says in some sort of weird French-Russian accent?
0: <laughs> I don't
1: know, but I'd like to hear you do that. <laughs> but I'm sure everything will be all right. Don't worry, see? Here is a puppet doll I had made for you. It is a white knight. Ha
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we really need to do live readings of these. Do not be
1: bitter, my dear friend. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> she well, does, she's never heard of a contraction. <laughs> <laughs> she heard stepfather was some transient. Maybe that's where he met her stepmother. Maybe she's some transient, too. Even though I
1: cannot see you, I know you are just like my white knight. You are good and kind. And you will never desert your friends when they need you most.
0: <laughs> This, you're this close to sounding like Antonio Banderas' pussy right? boots. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I couldn't really nail the accent there. There's just something oh. oddly oh. European about her. Oh, you nailed it. <laughs> in any case, she convinces, Alicia convinces the thing not to give up on his friends. He heads back to to their headquarters just in time to find that they have received a telegram from S&M and S and Studios. I'm sorry, S.M. <laughs> Studios. And apparently it was
1: delivered in a giant head from the Black Panther. <laughs> what is that in the background?
0: Again, another reason why they are broke. Do they live in a museum? You know what? I'm looking at this
1: panel. I'm sorry to go back here. I'm looking at the panel where Alicia is touching Thing's face, and I'm thinking that that's why she likes having her around. Because he feels like an unfinished sculpture.
0: (laughs) You know, in all seriousness, there may be something to that, because she does know people by their faces, and the texture on him is probably really interesting. You
1: know blind people can feel things.
0: (laughs) In any case, we've got this telegram from SM Studios saying that we want you to come to Hollywood, we'll give you a (laughs) million dollars. SM Studios. It's not that kind of movie. (laughs) (laughs) If you will star in our movie. I forgot to look and see what a million dollars would be in today's money. Uh, Are we in 1962 now? Yes. One million dollars. One million dollars in today's money would be 8.2 million dollars. So they would now be getting 8.2 million, which amazingly seems like it would cover all their debts, which I guess that makes sense. 8.2 million today. I mean, you'd have to have a lot of debts to... For the four of them to star in a movie together? That seems kind of a lowball there. Well, they don't have a proven track record at the box office. They don't have anything, apparently, because they're hitchhiking to Hollywood. Yeah, so the the FF decide they're going to do this, and the four of them are going to hitchhike to Hollywood. I, I do like the idea that The Thing says, uh, I'm going to be our business manager from now on when we're back on our feet. I would really have enjoyed following that up. The Thing is the business manager. Of the FF. numbers. I know I'm the only one that wants to see that, but I would like to see that. And I think it might have actually given him some depth, which he desperately needed in 1962. Would anyone think that he's smart enough to be their accountant? No, No. So yeah, they are going to hitchhike all the way across the country. Remember, they're in New York. Are they? Yeah. And they're going all the way to Los Central Loss. City, New York? No, we're, we're... <laughs> we've are we're we been in New York, New York for, you know, at least since like issue two, I think. Yeah. For no reason. So, yeah, they're going to hitchhike. That's just is insane. That's going to be like a three. That's a lot of hitchhiking. Hey, it's a f- Fantastic Four feature page. Yes. Before we get to chapter two, we find out how the Human Torch flies. He flies this. by comic book magic.
1: I love the See, uh, in the book that I have it in, they put these bonus pages at the end. Sure makes sense (laughs) i like the bonus page where johnny explains his flying and my favorite part is where he
0: says that he studies weather maps no he doesn't (laughs) so he doesn't get caught in the rain yeah that's ridiculous also i think we all know that the weather is completely unpredictable and you're still going to get caught in the rain
1: and if he's hot enough won't the rain just evaporate before it hits
0: him if he can melt through stone (laughs) yeah yeah i don't think rain should be his biggest problem oh welcome to hollywood Chapter 2, Submariner Gives the Orders at SM. Are you able to uh, identify any of these people here? I am. Oh, good. Yeah, so we see them. They arrive in Hollywood at SM Studios. <laughs> Go they're... through the golden gates of SM Studios. There are Hollywood cameos aplenty. Who can you identify? Uh, the guy in dressed as
1: the sheriff, I believe, is James Arness as Marshal Matt Dillon okay and i'm assuming that that is alfred hitchcock yeah that's definitely hitchcock well, you think that's charles bronson that's charles bronson for I, sure and i feel like i should know the woman but i can't place who that is and then the next panel we have uh Bing crosby and bob hope yep and i feel like i know that next one too it's that uh he's been in bugs bunny cartoons yeah and then i think
0: if by the next panel that, that might be abbott and costello is that the same guy I think it's the same guy. Okay. Here's who I also read is in, are, are in here, and you can let <clears> me know if they... First of all, I, Miss Kitty. I don't know who Miss Kitty is, but... I think she's on that... Is that Gunsmoke that has Matt Dillon on it? I okay. think she's on there. And then, supposedly, John Wayne is here. But I know it's not, I don't think that's him because I also had James Arness. Yeah,
1: that looks more like James Arness.
0: So I don't know where John Wayne is. No one here looks like John Wayne to me. I think someone just assumed that was John Wayne, but I really don't think it is. And then I saw Dean Martin. Yeah, I wouldn't have said Dean Martin. Jack Benny? Doesn't look like Jack Benny. Okay, well, those are the only names I could find. I looked up, tried to look up to see if I could figure out who they were. That's why why I thought they were Abbott and Costello. That would make sense. It would make more sense. But in the 1960s, were Abbott and Costello doing much? Yeah, I don't know. And in any case, the FF arrive. They go up to the was Jack Benny in movies. I don't... well, <laughs> well. I mean, why are any of these people here? What is SM Studios doing? I mean, it, didn't he just incorporate this studio like two weeks ago? They're hiring people dressed as the actors. <laughs> yeah, right. think They are. <laughs> they go up to the to the office of the executive in charge, and they find out who owns SM Studios, <gasps> the Submariner. Who saw that coming? Did you see that coming?
1: Do you know the name or spelled backwards is Roman? It could have been Roman pictures.
0: That would have been so much better than SM Studio.
1: He doesn't usually have... I mean, most of the stuff that he has in his underwater home looks like Romanesque stuff. Pillars and statues.
0: That's a good point. Silly. The FF are a little unsure as to whether or not they should trust Nemo, but he's like, look, this is legitimate. like, look,
1: I'm wearing a scarf.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think it's supposed to be an ascot. Well, maybe it's a scarf. I have a pile of money in my hand. He basically says, all the money of the ocean's floor is mine. You know, I, I, I know where all, this, where all the sunken ships are. I know where all the treasure is in the ocean. You I joked
1: earlier about him going to Best Buy.
0: but Right? <laughs> you know, I've got the money, so I actually built this studio. This is all legit. I'm going to give you all money to make this movie. In fact, here's an advance for all of you. And Reed uses his to gui- buy a new suit, and Johnny uses his to buy a sports car. And I have to ask, don't they need this money to get out of debt? Nope, everything's fine now. They're going to get a million dollars. My favorite thing
1: in this entire issue is when Thing says that uh, Submariner's movie studio sounds fishy
0: to him. (laughs) Uh, The puns. You know, you can make the argument that Reed needs the suit because he has to look good for Sue with Namor around. But But why did he stretch to seven feet tall to get fitted for the suit? (laughs) And Why would anyone, anyone give Johnny Storm enough money to buy a sports car? I would they give him any money at all?
1: What happens if Reed wears that suit and he suddenly gets called in to battle or something and he stretches and it ruins his whole suit? Yeah, it's not
0: going to work. I don't like that. The thing is at the beach trying to get some peace and quiet. He's sleeping on the beach covered in newspapers? <laughs> I don't understand it at all. I think the thing may be homeless. I'm not sure. <laughs> they couldn't afford a hotel. They don't have any money. And Sue, they could have sold that car, Sue is out to dinner with Namor, trying to find out what his game is. But he says, don't worry, all will be revealed in time. So we move along. Next day, Namor is going to shoot Mr. Fantastic's big scene. They go out on a boat, and he sends him to an island. He says, you go to that island, there's a mechanical cyclops on that island. You fight him, we're going to stay back here and film you with telephoto lenses. And Reed, because he's an idiot, says, okay... Well, first he goes, where
1: are my lines? Or where's the... And he's like, I oh, don't worry about it. You'll be too far away for us to hear you anyway.
0: Yeah, right? <laughs> what kind of movie do they think he's making? And Reed's like, it's a trap. Really, Reed? Really? It's a trap. The Cyclops is real. I mentioned this, what, two episodes
1: ago where I thought it was funny that they live in a world where Cyclops isn't real. Yeah. And, and yet the public freaks out about a dude flying around in his pajamas.
0: Yeah, the Cyclops is a- is a giant with one eye a cyclops, as Cyclopses are at a big rock he's going to use to smoosh Reed with which he does but of course that doesn't smoosh Reed Reed just becomes two dimensional he becomes a flat man yeah and then he throws the rock at Reed Reed becomes a giant slingshot catches the rock and throws it back and then trips the Cyclops so he falls into a hole yeah and that's how Reed beats him question how is Reed getting off this island mm-hmm. didn't he stretch to the island yeah but presumably the
1: boat's gone can he turn into a hot air balloon <laughs> There's got to be something he can do.
0: can I mean, he turn into like a big like tire and just roll across the ocean? Well, I mean, he technically would float, I would think, since he's so. rubberish. So mm-hmm. I guess it's just going to be a long swim back.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Next member of the Fantastic Four is Johnny. Well, this doesn't seem like a pattern at all. Yeah. Like,
1: okay, wait. So they put Reed on this island and they say, we're going to film this scene. But then they don't. They just leave. Yeah. And
0: the rest of the team is like, okay, that seems normal. Well, the rest of the team doesn't know what's going on. They're not there. He's taking them out one at a time. So they were all on the boat? No, no. Just Reed, and, just Reed and Namor were on the boat.
1: Okay, I missed that part. So where's everybody else? Are they back on the... They're waiting their turn. At the studio? Yeah. And he's going to get them one by one. Yes. So he comes and gets Reed and puts Reed on a boat. And mm-hmm. then he comes back without Reed. Yes. And he gets Johnny and puts him on a helicopter.
0: <laughs> yes. And they take a helicopter from Los Angeles to Africa. Yes. As you do. hmm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Hey, congrats. This savage tribe here is only slightly racist. <laughs> well, first of all, they're in the helicopter, and Namor says, we shall photograph it from the plane with long-distance cameras while you perform below it. Namor, that's a helicopter. It's not a plane. There's no plane in sight.
1: Maybe the helicopter
0: was on a plane, and they flew <laughs> down in the helicopter to get him closer. He <laughs> gives Johnny a parachute and kicks him out of the helicopter, which, again, Namor, he can fly. He doesn't need a parachute. He mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> put it on, or is he just holding it? <laughs> <laughs> How's this thing work? Oh, he
1: did use it because he landed and now he's taking it yeah. off.
0: Yeah, he used it for some reason. So now he's, as you said, accosted by a tribe of offensive stereotypes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who are immune to fire because of some special magic potion that they take. That's mm-hmm. basically just LSD. <laughs> has them hallucinating and they think that they're immune to fire. Well, that one has a snake head, so I'm not sure what's going on That's here. Just a mask. That one has a bear head. I don't know where that came from in Africa. <laughs> so in any case, these African tribesmen, maybe not surprisingly, they have spears.
1: Mm-hmm. And they're colored gray.
0: Yeah. Because brown wasn't invented yet? <laughs> <laughs> so they, the Human Torch tries to fly away from them, but his flame gives out. They capture him, put him in a cage, make him watch them play with fire. Mm-hmm. But they make him watch too long because he uses his nitro flame. Breaks out of the cage, creates flame images of himself to run around, and then wakes up a dormant volcano, which <laughs> washes their everything away in a, in a fury of molten lava.
1: But just their village, not them. They all escaped. Yeah. Magically.
0: And I'm sure there wasn't anybody else in the radius of this.
1: I love how they're showing him. They're pouring the potion together, and they're drinking that. And, and Johnny says, I've heard of a strange tribe which is immune to fire. <laughs> no, you haven't.
0: Yeah, right? <laughs> You've never, well, ever heard of that. And how does this make sense? As we will see in a minute, Namor fights the thing on a beach. Beaches are easy to find. He takes Reed to a an island. With a cyclops on with it. With a cyclops, which, okay, I'll buy. It. It's an island. It's isolated. Maybe Namor knows about it. How does Namor know about a, landlock, a a tribe in a landlocked continent that is immune to fire? And once more... He saw it on his television. <laughs> once more, how does Johnny get back? He's in Africa, and as we've just seen, his flame lasts maybe five minutes tops. Maybe
1: he was trying to fly home, and his flame gave out just as Reed was swimming underneath him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Reed turned into a raft. So in any case... so I mean, now- they're not back yet, as far as we know. <laughs> no, they're not back yet. As we go to the third member of the Fantastic Four, The Thing, where Namor takes him to a beach, and things like, where's the camera? And Namor punches him. I have nothing to say about this. It's just fisticuffs. I enjoy the part where Namor jumps up and down on the Thing's shoulders and pushes him into the sand. Kyle drives him down until Thing finally realizes, hey, wait, you're getting your power from water. Yeah, so the thing drags Namor onto the beach and is ready to beat him up when he gets struck by lightning and turns back to Ben Grimm. <laughs> what a weird coincidence. That's amazing. I was so confused by that at first I thought that Namor brought the lightning down. I <laughs> like, wait, he's not Thor. <laughs> he's, he's got his hammer. You nope, know, we were just fighting on the beach and he happened to get struck by lightning. Turns into And the lightning happens to turn him into Ben Grimm. Namor punches him out and goes to find Sue. Now how does the thing get back? Well, he's on a beach. He can figure it out. Yeah, so Namor goes to Sue and says, Sue, this is all for you. I love you. And I've killed your best friends. Marry me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let me ask, because you've been married now for a long time. Yeah. Is this the courtship that you and your wife went through where you basically took her I mean, it wasn't her friends. I had to murder a series
1: of small animals (laughs) and present them to her in a certain order to win her favor.
0: But yeah, I mean, there's
1: usually some killing involved.
0: I think that's good. I also like the fact that she says... It builds a trust. When he asks her to marry her, she says, Maybe if you hadn't deceived me. So apparently Sue's like, Yeah, I'd consider I'd consider Namor. Read who? Yeah, yeah. Well she's been been considering him. I'd give Namor a tumble, if he wasn't killing my best friends and my brother. And then she's like, well, I'm going to go now. And he says, ha, 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 you'll never escape me. I've locked the door. So Sue decides she's going <laughs> to, well, that's pretty much all you need to do to beat Sue. She decides she's going to fight him. She turns invisible and starts throwing books at him. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly, that doesn't seem to beat him. He unleashes because he has the powers of all the creatures who live beneath the sea for this issue and then never again. <laughs> He becomes an electric eel and starts shooting electricity around the room, but she beats him. So she rips the carpet off the floor and throws it on him somehow. Then he uses the powers of underwater cavefish, fish, yeah. who are blind and, be, and starts using sonar so he can see her. He grabs her and is starting to tussle with her when her three teammates have all finally arrived back, but they waited till they were all together. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they don't want to attack him one by one. That already
1: didn't work. They burst in the three of them. And
0: then they kind of fight him together? They They start to fight him together, and Sue says, wait, stop. You've never ganged up on anyone before. Really? They always gang
1: up on people. No, we talked about how they've never really fought anyone.
0: Well, I guess that's true. They've never ganged up on anybody before. She could say you've never fought anybody before.
1: And it looks kind of awkward because they're all kind of rushing him, just pushing him. And Johnny's in flames. I would think he would be burnt by now. So, yeah. So, in any case, Namor says... else has problems. Namor's eyebrow has a problem. (laughs) It got bigger between panels. Look at it.
0: It's huge. It's no, touching his hairline. <laughs> nowhere near his eye. He's got the golden arches. He's like Magneto's costume.
1: He's like a Latina gang member that like, shaved them off and then like drew them back on with makeup.
0: But Sue convinces the rest of her teammates that he will cooperate. He'll make the movie, give them the money uh-huh. if they will let him go. And he says yes. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And it all works out in the end. I mean, we've, we learned that the movie was a hit. This yeah. movie that has no script, dialogue, or plot,
0: or was filmed. It was a hit movie. Like, where, when did they film it? Did they did they make up a script and dialogue and plot after Namor left and do the whole thing then? Because don't know. Yeah, but they let Namor go. Questions to be answered. But before we answer them, let's pop over to the Fantastic Four fan page. Do we have any famous people this time? No. Ah, oh, come on, Benedict Cumberbatch. What? Was he even born in 1962? A Leroy Austin of Jacksonville, Texas asks about a Fantastic Four fan club. Because Stan Lee is inherently lazy and I think thought that this still had no legs, says, why don't you guys make up your own fan clubs? And Merry Marvel Marching Society. If they do well, we'll talk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Merry Marvel Marching Society is a good six years away at this point in time. Still, right? Huh? Yeah. So, yeah, he's like, you guys do it. I don't want to have to do it. They also print a letter, Paul... And I know this name, Paul Gambaccini of Westport, Connecticut, who I think writes to a lot of their... Or maybe he's a DC fan that I've seen in their letters pages. In any case, he writes a really bad letter saying how much he hates the Fantastic Four. The letters column is stupid, with asinine replies to only laudatory letters. Artwork is horrible. Your heroes are lily-lily, with obvious faking of emotions lily what lily lily with obvious faking of emotions when you're dealing with emotion with when you're dealing with human emotions you have to be serious about it Uh, unless those emotions aren't serious ones right (laughs) the so-called heroes who act like real people are fighting the greatest menaces to mankind in each story and they're too good to be realistic that doesn't make any sense it's a horrible letter it's written poorly but it's i mean kudos to them for writing for running a letter that says nothing nice about them what do they say Well, like Paul says, we only print the flattering letters, huh? We We also are told, threatened, informed the next (laughs) issue of the letters page is going to be two pages long.
1: And they're also going to have a pinup of Sue Storm by popular demand. And it is one of the ugliest pictures I've ever seen. (laughs) They're
0: like, you guys will like the way Sue Storm looks. Let me be clear. I I have some affection for Jack Kirby's artwork, but he has never made men or women look good. Mm -hmm. Beautiful people are not his forte. Hey, where do we go from here with Namor? This is the last time we've seen Namor in these 12 issues. Uh, he just kind of goes away, doesn't he? Yeah, we never see him again. Nope. He, of course, will keep coming back to this title again and again and again. They'll mention his romance with Sue a few times, but it doesn't really go anywhere because she's going to marry Reed and... And go off, it mostly becomes like a what if feature. He slowly will become more of a hero, and in 1965 he gets his own title. He takes over originally half of the Tales to Astonish book okay. and then gets his own title in 1968. They want to make him an anti-hero, they want him to walk that line between villainy and heroism, but he's really more of a of a hero. Though when they start Supervillain team up in the mid seventies, he's one of the supervillains that they're teaming up.
1: Yeah, we covered that in the Avenging Hour.
0: He was a founding member of the Defenders. But he doesn't stay with that team for very long, though he'll... Do the Defenders have members? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't care. I never understood the whole non-team stuff. I'm like, you're a bloody team. And ironically, while he's not in the Defenders very often in the original series, when they relaunch it, he's always there. Yeah. He joins the Avengers in the mid-1980s, as we talked about in The Avenging Hour, which tries to help cement him as a hero. And he gets his own series that John Byrne writes and draws in 1990. Where we find out that the reason he has sometimes had such mood swings and why he's sometimes such a jerk and sometimes a hero is because he is a hybrid human sea creature. And if he spends too long in either environment, his body chemistry goes out of whack and he gets a little crazy. (laughs) So they're saying he's bipolar. Pretty much. Uh, That series lasts about five years and he's had a lot of other series, but none of them last for very long. He's also a member of the Illuminati. Yes, And a member of the X-Men for a while. During yes. Avengers vs. X Men, he's one of the Phoenix Five and destroys Wakanda. That doesn't seem like a hero.
1: Not so much.
0: No, yeah. well, nobody's doesn't a hero. not
1: Sabretooth on that team, too? Probably. Mystique, one of them?
0: I think that these 12 issues do basically cement his personality, though. It's basically a touchy anti hero. Mostly him. Yeah. Who will occasionally do the right thing, but always with attitude. He's all right. Yeah, I'm not a huge Namor fan. People will often say Namor and Aquaman, and I'm like, neither. I don't dislike Namor. I think they could do a lot of different things with him that they haven't done. I enjoyed him in the John Byrne series. I liked that the best, probably because he was the most collected in that series. He didn't have the violent mood swings. He, you know, he was they used instead of using his money to make a stupid movie studio, he used his all the money he had to build a business empire for himself. And he was actu- actually somewhat interesting in that respect. Yes. But it's Namor. I mean, he's never going to be my favorite. Okay. Closing thoughts? Nope. Are we still reading after this? I I want to say a few things about this issue. (laughs) I like the fact, I mean, I think you have to give the issue credit for the fact that they, by making the FF go bankrupt, they deal with something that most comic books of this time would not have. It's part of what makes the Fantastic Four unique in 1962. You know, the Justice League was not worrying about where their money was coming from. Yeah. The, you know, Flash or Batman or Green Lantern, that money issues were not were never, never con-
1: was never brought up. Yeah, they never bothered to explain any of it.
0: So I think it's kind of nice that we are looking at something. I mean, it, you can you can say that they immediately become unrealistic in the way they examine it, but Yeah, there's no it's black or white pretty much, but it's nice to see them humanized. I agree. And I kind of wish they would have taken it further. Now, are we still reading? I would be cuz I actually like this issue. Yeah, having Namor show up doesn't bother me. It doesn't
1: turn me off. And I said we. I came back with the Puppet Master because it's another
0: episodic issue. Like they still – Stan Lee hasn't
1: learned continuity yet.
0: Yes, agreed. But what I like about this issue and the Puppet Master issue and what I didn't like about the Kergo issue is that these issues are – I feel like are fun – yeah. And involve the team and their personalities. And, like, I don't think you could swap anybody into this story. And we get to see them use their powers somewhat. We get to see more fights in this issue than we have been seeing up to this point. None of them are particularly interesting, but at least we're seeing them, as you say. I mean, all four members of the team get a decent one-on-one fight with someone.
1: And there are often times—we've spoken about it recently, but I think even back when we did the first issue, we had compared them to Challengers of the Unknown. Yes, and it seems like there's times in this comic where it doesn't matter if they have superpowers or not. But this issue, I mean, they definitely came into play.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: So that's it. That's it. Thanks Ish- for listening once again.
0: Issue 9. We're in the last. We're three quarters of the way done.
1: If you still have anything to say to us, you can get in touch with us by email. Our email address is year1comics at gmail.com. And we have an Instagram page at year1comics.
0: That's all right. Thanks yeah. for listening. Yep. Bye-bye. See ya.